Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of the U.S. This is a special podcast. I actually was sharing about it yesterday on my Facebook Live. We're going to try to post this on Thursday at the beginning of December in 2020. This is a podcast that I'm looking forward to because I've been wanting to share about what I believe Christians need to know about the Great Reset. Now, this podcast is not to cause fear. I'm not doing this because I'm you know, predicting an apocalypse. I'm just saying that we are seeing things come to pass in our lifetime that the Bible has already told us about. And we as Christians can take comfort in the idea that we are never abandoned. However, it is good for us as believers to know what's happening around us so that when everybody else is going into panic mode, we know where our anchor lies. And there are some things that I want to share during this podcast that I think is important for all Christians to know. This is an important podcast for me because I'm also doing it with my pastor, Bishop Williams. Bishop Williams has been with us on our podcast before. And when it, whenever it comes to anything spiritual, I really value his insight. I think that he's got a lot to add and I'm excited about him being with us on the podcast today. Bishop Williams, thank you so much for being with us again. It's good to be here in Mississippi, <laughs> relaxing and then talking about the Great Reset. Excited to be with you and with the audience. And yes, we wanna discuss the reset. Amen. There is a reset, but the one we're gonna talk about, I don't know how much of a part <laughs> of that I wanna be. Yeah, uh, the um, the Great Reset as you know, kind of as I've seen it has been from um, this meeting that is taking place this year in Switzerland, uh, talking with, with some of the biggest leaders around the world uh, about the failures of what they say the market economy or capitalism has mm -hmm. done for the world, mm -hmm. uh, the failure of being able to answer the question for COVID-19. Mm -hmm. And they believe that the entire world's economy needs a great reset. And there's a couple of things that I listened to in this Davos forum that has caused me concern mm. and things that I think that we as Christians need to be aware of. Mm, mm. You know, for me, um, I don't have extensive knowledge, but I do have um, uh, knowledge regarding this great reset and uh, uh, Swab and <laughs> my dear friend, Al Gore, who sits <laughs> on the board. Um, of the uh, the economic forum, interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, all that I've gathered from this is, let's look at it this way. When I look at at their direction that they want to take, how that this is the the COVID has presented such a a great opportunity 
For their us. words. Their words, by the their way. Their words. Yeah, their words. Yeah. The, the World Economic Forum, which you're referring to, mm-hmm. that, that, that is a collection of people from around the world. Um, you have about 3,000 business people. You have politicians, mm-hmm. political leaders. You have academics um, and individuals that are very well known in popular culture. Those four kind of categories coming together in Switzerland to this World Economic Forum. And they are setting the agenda for the entire world. And like you said, mm-hmm. they believe that COVID-19 has presented a great opportunity. Their words, not absolutely. ours. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, when I look at that, um, and I look at this great um, theory, theory that has become a reality for a lot of nations of of um, socialism or the bedrock, uh, Marxism, um, communism. The thing that 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 strikes me, COVID. When we look at what happened with COVID, think about this here. Here in the United States, and we had all types of red tape regarding research for developing vaccines, etc. That normally would take years uh, to bring a vaccine into focus uh, or into reality. With with communism, with this this great reset and what they want to do. Now think about this. We've had the best of the best working on this, and they've been able to come up with these vaccines within within several months, not several years, but several months. Why? Because the capitalism, free market enterprise, this is something that evokes um, uh, creativity. It's something that that stirs within within the uh, the heart of a man a desire to forge forward, to do better. Capitalism causes you. It it for, to me it actually forces you um, to to be competitive against the next man because I want to do better than him. I want to do I want to do more than him. I want to do it faster than him, whereas Marxism doesn't, because everything is 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 given to you. Everything is brought on a silver platter to you, if you will. Um, to me, it crushes creativity. It crushes ingenuity, and they want us, quote, with this great reset to go back to that, or to get involved in that. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, right now, many people listening to this podcast may not know, but Russia has a vaccine for COVID. Nobody wants it. (laughs) Nobody (laughs) wants to even talk about it. China has a vaccine for COVID. Nobody wants to be the guinea pig for that. Mm. So there are people that have bought it, but people don't want it. They don't trust it. Why don't they trust it? Because communism, Marxism, socialism doesn't have those same mechanisms in place. And one of the things that we see with the Great Reset that I think is is challenging for me is the fact that we see individuals that are basically pulling the strings to how things work, but nobody elected them. These are not elected officials. I mean, some of them are, but they're going to a secret meeting that is not transparent. Um, They are going to a meeting that is not audited. You don't have finances coming in and going out. They have a massive facility kind of in the mountains of Switzerland. The main guy, Klaus Schwab, um, 
kind of I, I've seen a lot of um, James Bond movies and he reminds me of the bad guy and a lot he's got like this secret liar in the mountains in the mm. Swiss Alps right. and he's got like this you know this maniacal yeah exactly and so when I I'm already suspicious when I hear him say that he's got a world plan I'm like I bet you do I mm. bet you do have a the other thing is is that nobody's really heard of uh, Klaus before. I mean, Klaus, is he's had this World Economic Forum for a while. He's known by the elites, but not known by most common people. So some people listening to his podcast might have heard Klaus for the first time just during this podcast. So he's not a person that's very well known at all. Mm. And he is probably one of the most powerful individuals in the world. And let me just share, I, was, I, I, I said this just briefly with you before, but I've never heard of anybody in my life that is an honorary professor at a university in Beijing and can go in and out of China and teach at that university whenever he wants. That has been given, that is an honor given from Beijing mm. to uh, Klaus Schwab. That I've never heard of before. That is amazing. Wow, also, wow. China has a medal that they give out that was very much like our Medal of Freedom that mm. the president gives out. It's the highest award that he can give to a civilian, right? right. Um, China has awarded it to Klaus in 2013 under President Xi. Again, I've never heard of a foreigner getting that award like that before. There might be. Mm -hmm. I've just, I've never heard of it. So the fact that he has that, the fact that he has something like 17 honorary doctorates from different universities around the world that just give him an honorary doctorate degree. The fact that he has been knighted by the queen the fact that he's been given the German cross, which is one of their top awards in Germany. Wow. Um, he, so he carries the title of knighthood. He carries the title of doctor. Mm. He t carries the title of being able to speak in places like Beijing, a Chinese communist government controlled education system at will already makes me suspicious of him before I even hear anything. So I will admit that I go into listening to speeches at the World Economic Forum with bias and suspicion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then when I hear them say things like, capitalism has failed us at the World Economic Forum, when I hear them saying that we need a unified system that everybody agrees to, that, um, that dictates production for everybody, I hear what we have come out of in China, which is a centralized control system that controls everybody uh, from the top down. Mm. And it causes great concern. When I've seen you know, what communism, socialism, Marxism, anti-capitalism has done, and, and let me make this clear. I'm not, I, of course I lean more towards democracy, but democracy doesn't save us. I mean, we've seen democracy in India, we've seen democracy in Iran, we've seen democracy in several countries, Venezuela, but it hasn't saved those countries. Um, the main reason why I believe is that Christ needs to be a centralized component of every society. That is the engine that makes everything else truck along. Um, but mm. I've seen that uh, free market, um, democracy, capitalism work in so many different areas. What I haven't seen is communism, socialism, 
anti-capitalism work in any country. Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, North Korea, Ethiopia, Cuba, mm-hmm. China, Russia, East Germany, Venezuela. I, I can go on and on with all of the nations, different backgrounds, different continents, different cultures, mm-hmm. different times. Right. And it's have it has a 100% failure rate. Yeah. And so when I hear them say centralized control production all in the same breath, I I see China. You know, and this this idea about, you know, uh, the Great Reset, I think it's gone by some some other names, you know, um, where 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 they try to or the idea is to um, flatten everything out and they want to uh, level the playing field. They want to give economic, you know, equality. Okay, listen, you know, what I believe in, what I believe, I believe in biblical principles, okay? And I know this is that God has given to every man equality of time. He has given to every man also the ability, the ability to learn. We have that. Now, with your time and with your with your knowledge, it's up to you what you do with it. Okay? We all have that. We all have the 24 hours in a day, and we have the ability uh, to go forth and pursue whatever we want to pursue. This idea of giving everybody the same thing, that still doesn't mean that you're going to end up at the same place. It doesn't mean if I... Listen, we can, you know, we see, okay, watch this. With our own social welfare, where our government gives people a check at the beginning of the month. A lot of people, within two days of them getting that money, they broke. They, 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 they had enough money to last them for a month. And then they broke. So just because you say we want to we want to give a, a level playing field and we want we want everyone to have uh, uh, um, access to all of these things. It doesn't mean that that's going to improve their lifestyle or their living. Living in lifestyle is about choices. The choices that I make. Am I going to make good, positive choices? that will affect and improve my lifestyle. That's what God has given to every man, the ability to choose and to do. And what you do with that is up to you. Jesus made a statement, and I don't care what form of government you have, there will be no eradication of poverty. What? No. Why? Because Jesus said the poor you have with you always. Why did he say that? Because people will make choices and the choices that they make will either bless them or it will break them. Yeah, I mean, you you touched on the Bible, the biblical principles. And one of the things that I have noticed is that a nation that comes before God will see the ripple effect in the generations to come. And a nation that denies God and turns their back on God 
will see the ripple effect through the generations. Uh, I love how God speaks to his people and say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm-hmm. Well, we know that. You didn't have to tell us that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not really a title. Mm-hmm. But he was speaking in generations. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we see is that when people turn to God and make that choice, that even if they suffer to, in order to follow after God, they're happens certain things there are biblical principles that if you adopt into your life there mm-hmm. are there are psalms that if you make a part of your life even i believe even if you're not saved mm-hmm. there are principles that can make life better for you mm-hmm. um we see oh, that question we, we we see the same for um the the, the jewish people mm-hmm. when i fly into israel and i'm flying in from jordan amon jordan that flight is a very short flight and it flies pretty low in elevation. As I'm flying over Jordan, Jordan looks like it could be on the moon. There's just nothing there. It's mm-hmm. desert, it's barren, no trees, no people, no rivers, no buildings. But as soon as you cross the border into Israel, bam, you know that you're in Israel because there's a tangible line of greenery where the Jews have suffered and toiled and sweat mm-hmm. to be able to irrigate a desert land. Mm-hmm. I mean, Israel is not a place that I would say is God's promised land. Like it, it doesn't have oil. It, it, it it's hot. Uh, it's sandy. It's desert. It looks miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a place that I would choose to go. I would think that you know, if you're going to have a promised land, God, why didn't you choose the Alps <laughs> or the the Rockies in Colorado or maybe even the Canadian side? I can see possibly, mm-hmm. but Israel, there's nothing there. But the the principles in the Bible that have been adopted by the Jewish people, we see has benefited their generations. If we just, without even being believers, adopt the ideas of not stealing Mm -hmm. as a society, Mm -hmm. not lying, not cheating, not sleeping with someone else's wife, Mm -hmm. not having sex before we're married, all of these concepts that are taught, if we just go through the, the Song of Solomon, if we go through um, the book of Ecclesiastes, we can see wisdom mm-hmm. that that goes beyond uh, just one culture, one group of people, one even religion, I dare say, because it can benefit people. And so the reason I say that is because when you have a society, mm-hmm. or even if we break it down to a smaller size, and you can tell me if I'm going astray here, but if an individual makes decisions based on biblical principles, Mm -hmm. I believe that that will in turn bless his children. And his children will then see their children still be blessed by decisions that were made by grandpa. grandpa. But grandpa could also make decisions Mm -hmm. that would be bad Catastrophic. Catastrophic. Mm-hmm. That grandson, even though he didn't make those decisions, is still trying to claw his way out of that ditch mm-hmm. that was dug by grandpa. Mm-hmm. And when I hear this World Economic Forum of not equal opportunity, because I think that our God is an equal opportunity God, all of us have mm-hmm. the opportunity to come before him, serve him, and be used by him. We mm-hmm. were all made by him for a purpose. But we also all have the choice to deny him and walk away from his word. Mm-hmm. And in that choice, we have equal opportunity, but we don't all have equal outcome. And if we try to make equal outcome, one of the things that I see that really hit me on this is when I see 
death tax. I mean, when I first started understanding death tax, I there were a lot of people around me that influencing me in the beginning that will say, people shouldn't be able to pass their wealth on to their children. It's just not fair. And so then I started to think about what that individual had to do in order to pass that wealth on to their children, at least in this day and age. I can't talk about the past. I can't talk about the future. Mm -hmm. But in this day and age, think about this, at least for me. In America, if I work, I get a salary. If I get a salary, I have to pay a tax on that salary. Mm -hmm. So I'm taxed on that income. Mm -hmm. Once I'm taxed on that income, I can go and buy property and I'm taxed again. So I take taxed income to buy taxed property. Mm -hmm. Once I buy taxed property, then I can build something on that property. But everything that I buy, lumber, uh, uh, mm -hmm. labor, uh, plumbing, everything, is okay. then taxed again. Right. And then for every year that I have that property, I have to pay a tax to the government on that property. Exactly. Even though I'm still paying tax with my income. Mm -hmm. Now to even get worse, as I build, I'm adding value to that property. Right. <laughs> that value is not static with mm -hmm. the government. The government is like, you build a house and it's worth more money, therefore your property's worth more money, therefore you owe us more money. <laughs> more money. Yeah, more money. <laughs> so now I have to pay even more tax. Right. And I do that with the idea that I can pass that on to the generations mm -hmm. in the same way that good ideas can be passed on to your children. They don't have to, they don't have to accept those ideas. They don't have to accept that property. They can get rid of it. Mm -hmm. But what the government wants to do, or at least, you know, with the death tax is say that after you've paid all those taxes, when you die, <laughs> you can't even give it to your children without then having to pay a tax again. Right. So it's been, I mean, it goes through so many different taxations. And I see that as a jealousy, and I can understand it in some ways, that individuals don't understand the benefit of walking in the ways of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so when they see children of someone that has chosen to serve God being blessed, or children of children mm -hmm. being blessed, I can see that jealousy rise up and say, why do they, they don't deserve that. They're not a good person. And they may not be. They may mm. make all kinds of horrible choices and right. still reap the benefits of their grandfather. But here's the thing. I believe those horrible choices for that grandson mm -hmm. will then be bad for his grandchildren and his children. Right. They will suffer from that grandson's right. bad choices. So the reason I say that is because when you start talking about equal opportunity, equal outcome, and the problem with trying to bring out the outcome, regardless of choices, there's a danger in that, that that I believe creates the equal distribution of misery for everybody. Absolutely. And you know, when you were making a statement, it's all biblical. This is all biblical. When you say, you know, um, a father storing up so that his child can have, so that his child, the Bible teaches that a good man will, in fact, lay up for his children, an inheritance for his children's children. That's biblical. So, you know, if I live in such a way, and, and when I say that's biblical, that's applicable, whether you know God or not. Yeah. That's one of the beauties about, about, about the word of God and about God. God has so ordained and set, and set principles or laws in the earth. That whether you are a believer or a non-believer, if you abide by that law, you will reap the benefits of that law or the consequences of it if yes. you violate it. Yeah. You follow me? Yep. So, so, you know, we don't have a 
you know, uh, uh, an edge in the sense that God has set laws in order so that humanity can be blessed by it. Principles there so that if you govern your life by it, then you will reap the benefits of it or the consequences of it. Yeah. Amen. And so that's a great thing that God has did for all of humanity. So anybody can tap into that. Anybody can tap anybody. into that. Yes. You know, but when we go and we try and circumvent, we want to establish something that is, 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 uh, 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 counterproductive or, or, or intuitive to the way that God has already aligned or set these things up such as now, well, we're going to make it so that everybody will have the same thing. Whether they, whether they have put in the work for it, put in the time for it, whether they did anything, we're just going to, everybody had the same thing. Yeah. Mm -mm. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It never has worked and it never will work. Okay. Um, <laughs> If I could use this 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 little this little example, you know, if you have if you have twenty five people and they are all you know on this raft or this boat, and you're trying to get to this to ground to land, the expectation is that everybody will put in their fair share of work. We all got a row. If we have oars, we all got to row so we can get to shore. We can get to safety. But if you got a person or people on there that don't want to work, what does that do? It causes chaos. There's going to be some bitterness. There's going to be some, some, some bad feelings that are going to come up because, as we say, you're not carrying your fair share of the load. If you end up with that type of of disunity and disharmony on that vessel, the outcome is not going to be good. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be good and it's not going to be fair if one person does all the work and the others don't. <laughs> Watch this. The Lord put it this way. He said, if a man don't work, he shouldn't eat. So now we're saying we're going to feed everybody whether they, you know, can 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 work or not. We're going to supply you with everything you need, whether you uh, put in the effort and energy or not. But wait a minute. The Lord said, if you don't work, you should need. The Bible said that a, uh, that a slowful man, a lazy person. OK, <laughs> won't even they worse than a uh, uh, how did he put it? Uh, a dog that don't even bark. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but okay. I kind of <laughs> like dogs that don't bark. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's an... But you're right. I mean, because the Bible says the man that doesn't provide for his family is worse than an infidel. And Absolutely. I didn't know there was anything worse than an infidel. I mean, now we're looking at like different layers of, of what it means to be a sinner. I mean, Jesus obviously is pointing out that this is the worst kind of person that doesn't provide for his family. The man that doesn't provide for his family is worse than an infant. Exactly. That's strong language for a place that wants equal outcome. Yeah. And so now we, you know, we just want to we just want to make have a kumbaya moment where everybody have all things alike. 
That has never worked and it never will work. And one, of, one of the reasons I kind of wanted to go down this track is because the biggest threat, because it didn't make sense to me before, right? I'm seeing GDP for the United States go down. I'm seeing the stock market go up. I'm seeing things that, that, that are not making sense, like the idea of banks giving out negative interest loans. Um, I received one, a, a negative interest loan, which basically means you're getting paid to take money from the bank. That never happens. And, I'm, and it, so I'm not sure why is this happening. I'm seeing the Davos meeting made up of business entrepreneurs, individuals who own companies who got rich mm -hmm. in a market society, all of them in a market society, by the Come way. On. None of them you know, got rich by working in North Korea, China, or Cuba. Mm -hmm. And they want to change the system right. from the place that they got rich to a system. Here's, here's one of the things, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked for a minute, but I'm looking at your yard right now as we're doing this. Mm -hmm. If your yard is nice and green, and your neighbor's yard is dirt. I would think that if I was your neighbor and I had a dirt yard and I looked over and I saw that, oh, Bishop Williams has a nice green yard. Mm -hmm. My idea would be, what is Bishop Williams doing in his yard to make it so nice and green? Because I would like to do that for my yard. Mm -hmm. Not, why is Bishop Williams' yard so nice and green? I need to take my dirt over there and make his yard look as bad as mine. I mean, we don't have equal outcome because we didn't have equal output. And one of the things, just really quick, I want to, I just want to point to this before we get off track. One of the things that I'm seeing, because none of those things were making sense to me, but one of the things that I am seeing is a central grab for a one banking system. Hmm. A, 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 a banking system where, and they actually set it at the World Economic Forum. And this is something that does, I think, uh, uh, apply to all Christians that we need to know about. Because once we're looking at a centralized banking system, all of this game changes as we know it. The way that we operate in every country changes as we know it. Um, and if they're able to get rid of smaller banks and make everything into kind of like a Federal Reserve. We know that the Federal Reserve right now is creating what they call like a pocketbook, which is a type of cryptocurrency. We also know mm. during the COVID time, mm. we've seen one thing disappear from our society faster than ever before, and that's cash. We've seen cash completely disappear from big parts of our uh, economy. So for instance, I if I travel, most of the time I travel now, I don't carry any cash on me at all. Mm -hmm. um, but in Sweden, it, most places, it was against the law to use cash, or not against the law, it was against policy. Like, they don't take cash, they don't touch cash. A lot of places here in the United States, I saw, don't take cash unless it's exact, like mm -hmm. exact change. Mm -hmm. So if you can't provide exact change, they don't touch the cash. So getting everybody off of the cash and then into a an electronic pocketbook, and I, I'm seeing this happen in China. And the it reason, is slowly happening. It's slowly happening. Because that tripped me out where... Places are saying, businesses are saying, we don't have coins. Yep. We don't have coins. We don't have coins. They're getting away from a tangible money that you can hold in your hand into a system that would be centralized. Now, like I said, we've seen this happen inside of China. And, and that's why I'm kind of sounding the alarm because one of the things that we've seen inside of China is the way that Christians have been ostracized from everyday activity. Here's the thing. If you have a centralized banking system, you no longer have a need for that bank to make profit. Mm. 
because all transactions go through that central banking anyway. They'll get all the profit that right, they need. Right, right, right. That means now that money can be given out not because of anything that you've proven that you've done in the past. They can give out money to people that they want to give money to, mm -hmm. which means that have you had your vaccine? Have you mm, uh, ha have, mm. have, have, have you uh, taken this course? Right, have you right, gone right. through this re-education system? Um, have you been paying you know, your dues to mm -hmm. the, the government or whatever? Because if you haven't, that drops your social score as we have in China. <laughs> in China. And mm -hmm. that then can keep you from, let's say, let's say just a daily activity. I drove here to see you. If I stopped at a gas station to get gas and all of the bank is controlled by a central banking system and all of a sudden I do something that the central banking system doesn't do, like, I can drive my car until my gas runs out and then I stop at a gas station. How am I going to get gas? I can't pay for that right. gas unless I have funds in that system. Mm -hmm. That they're willing to release. That they're willing to release. At the Davos concert, uh, conference, I was listening to a speech and the speech was talking about a society, a future society that would be everybody in the world are renters. Nobody owns anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so mm -hmm, when you start mm -hmm. looking at the idea of everybody being a renter, well, not everybody can be a renter. Because if you're renting, the question is, who 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 are you paying your rent to? Exactly. You're paying your rent to somebody. So somebody owns it. It's just not you. Right, right. And so uh, when I see this idea that everybody becomes a renter, um, then there was also this idea that in order to stimulate, because they say this, the reason why we have the uh, negative interest rates is to stimulate the economy, to get more people to take out loans, to get businesses, buy houses, build houses, those kind of, that makes sense to me. That completely makes sense to me. I agree with it. I think that's a great way to stimulate the economy. But that's not what we're seeing. What we're seeing is negative interest rates, banks losing money and still making money. Like banks are no, not, you don't have as many jobs. Unemployment's going up. Less people are putting money in the savings and yet they're still being money made. Why is that? Because people are living in debt. And the system wants you to live in debt. In fact, the system that they were talking about, Davos, and I'm not saying I'm interpreting this right, but what I did see, what the way that I interpreted it, mm -hmm. is that they would phase out your cash. A little bit like air miles. That if I'm going out and I'm not spending enough of my air miles in a time that that air company believes that I should, then I lose them. Mm -hmm. In a centralized banking system that they were talking about in Davos at the World Economic Forum, mm -hmm. I believe they were talking about a way to stimulate the economy by putting a time limit on the money that you have in the system. That if you do not spend it by a certain time, you lose it. Wow, interesting. And so interesting. by doing this, what you actually do is you create a system where you got a couple of things. One is that, I mean, you get your bank statement every day. Mm -hmm. I get my, or every month, I mm -hmm. get my bank statement, you know, obviously online. And my bank statement tells me, it tells a story about who I am. It tells me what kind of products I like to buy. Tell It tells you what time I'm usually the most active. Mm -hmm. It tells you how I do most of my shopping. Is it online? Is it at a grocery oh, store? Yeah. If it's at a grocery all store. All of the analytics. It, all there. those little mm -hmm. things. It tells, you know, do I like to go to the bar on Friday night? Do I like to go dancing at clubs on Saturday night? Mm -hmm. Do I like to go to church on Sunday morning? Am mm -hmm. I giving money to a religious institution or am I giving money to campaigns, government campaigns? My... Uh, spending habits are you can create my identity or actually recreate it just by looking at my spending habits and how it, the mm. government can do the same if the government has all of that information they can identify who you are as a person in China they spent several 
billion dollars with a B, several billion dollars wow. on a program that predicts crimes of individuals according to their algorithms of spending money. So if they spend money a certain way, day in and day out, every single day, but then one day they go to a hardware store, haven't been to a hardware store, go to the hardware store, they buy a, a, a bag big enough to put a body in, buy a couple of industrial <laughs> knives. <laughs> you know, they, they can see there may be something happening with it. We've got some rubber gloves, mm -hmm. you know, got mm -hmm. some things that, you know, you could actually commit a murder. No joke. China can actually now launch an investigation on whether you're about to participate in a crime. Now think about this. This also, if an individual goes to the clubs, plays video games, drinks bars, uh, goes to bars, you know, spends money on prostitutes, and then all of a sudden that all stops. No longer Friday night, Saturday night are they out, but now they're actually spending money online to buy religious books. They're donating money to humanitarian causes or maybe even, God forbid, uh, offerings uh -huh. at, a, at a church. Now the, the, the government can see somebody has evangelized this person. Something's happened where they've now become a believer. We need to monitor that individual because they're involved in an illegal activity, which is uh, being a part of a, mm -hmm. of a Christian group that is not registered with the government. So in a lot of people, I think, would say, "Okay, this sounds conspiracy theory. This sounds like you know you you you're you're doing this podcast with a tinfoil hat on." I would just say this: um, what I'm saying now might sound a little crazy, but if 11 months ago I would have said that the entire world will shut down and we'll no longer have travel and and you won't be able to eat at McDonald's or 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 KFC what or said you were crazy people, it, it sounded insane that would never happen in America oh my god and, and, and people aren't dying by the hundreds of thousands in that way I mean they're you know there people are dying I've, I've been I just my stepfather just lost his mother on Saturday uh, Sunday morning actually from COVID. So I know that COVID, my father-in-law has gotten really sick from it. My, we almost lost a coworker from it. Um, we've lost people in our family from COVID. So I'm not saying it's not real. What I'm saying is it, in some ways we have seen a transformation in the world that I would argue was not necessarily merited by oh the disease God. that we've been looking at. Mm. So this idea that we're seeing at Davos, and these are shapers. These these guys are the worst kind of people in this way. I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm saying they're the worst kind of people that can shape society in this way because nobody votes for them. Nobody gets to see their finances. Nobody gets to control who they talk to, who they don't talk to. They can have politicians in their pocket that you have no idea about. They These guys are the policy makers, the world shapers. They don't have any accountability. They have no accountability. And in many of them, no identity. And they're wanting to create a unified system that benefits their power. And everybody else basically has to live in a world of rules that they create. I think that this, I, I think that this can be closely, I don't want to overplay it. Hmm. And I don't want to hype, you know, hype it up in a way that this is revelation coming true in front of our eyes. But we can turn on the news and kind of see the book of Revelation. I think that, um, man, this has been a wake-up call. It should be a wake-up call for all of us because we have been able to see things happening that we thought would never happen in this country. We have seen cover-ups in this country that we thought we'd never see here. We have seen corruption 
at the highest level in this country that we thought we would never see in this country. We see our country acting and behaving like a third world country. We thought we'd never see that here in this country. Beloved ones, I'm telling you right now that the things that the uh, apocalyptic things that we read about in the Bible, the end time events uh, that we read about in the Bible. And many of us have said, I can't see that happening. I think we need to start changing the way we think about that now and, and, and know that, yes, it could happen. You know, and it may not happen in the way that I perceived it before. The, the, the undermining of our government, the really the circumventing going around the Constitution in this country, as we have witnessed, um, man, and then us coming to the brink of what you're talking about right now, slowly we're seeing things happen, right? We saw, as you said, we saw our economy come to a screeching halt. Who would have who would have dreamed that that would happen? Who would have who would have thought that it would happen the way that it happened? OK, I could see it if it was a war. Everything come to a screeching halt, but it wasn't a war. It was a pestilence. Was it was this pestilence naturally occurring? Possibly. Could it have been biological warfare? That's not out of the realm of possibility. But it happened. And so I'm saying that when we take a look at the Bible, when we take a look at, at the book of Revelations or Zacharias or, or we look at Matthew or we look at any of the, any of the uh, uh, prophetic book, the book of, books of Daniel, I think we need to look at it with, with new eyes, with new eyes um, of how these things could happen, you know, how they could happen. And so here we are in our country witnessing some things that we've never witnessed before, experiencing some things that we've never experienced before that we didn't have a clue would happen the way that they happened. And I say, I want to look at the Bible with new eyes. Amen. I want to look at, at, at the prophetic with new eyes. Not what we've heard before, not what we've seen before. Step back now. Step back because the things could happen, but not the way we saw them before. Amen. Yeah. You know, I, as, as I was listening to you, one of the things that, that, is, that has hit me is the fact that anybody that's listening to this podcast, they know that my main focus has always been to complete the Great Commission. That's that's my bread and butter. That's that's my heartbeat. So Matthew twenty four fourteen. I all the other signs. You know, I don't look for codes in the Bible. I don't. You know, I don't look for special signs. I don't do a lot of research on. You know, um, uh, math puzzles. You know that it was written in Hebrew or or whatever. So I mean, there, I know that there's a lot of books out there about mm -hmm. the signs of Revelation and those kind of things, but they they just haven't interested me. And the reason why for me is that 
I want to focus on Matthew 24, 14, that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the nations mm -hmm. and then the end will come. Mm -hmm. So that for me would be the prerequisite. But lately God has shared with me that right now we are in the winter season, but you have more than one sign. You have, you have so many, you know that the time is here. Mm -hmm. So even if the weather is not showing that it's winter, you mm -hmm. know the time of the year. Mm -hmm. So you know that, okay, well, I'm in the time. Right. And then I will notice other things, like there will be a chill. Mm -hmm. There will be leaves falling from the tree. Mm -hmm. there, so there are the, the, the stars in the skies, the celestial bodies change their position. So I'm able to see the sun. Um, the rising of the sun, the setting of the sun, the timing of that, the moon, all of these things are different signs that point to the same season. The same season. And so mm -hmm. if I focus on one, you can do that, but there are other things that just confirm that it is this season. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I learned in the military is how to do dead reckoning for navigation. Okay. Dead reckoning is very important when you're in the desert. Um, because in the desert, you don't have a lot of landmarks that you can look at. You know, you're not walking on Jefferson Street and you're just going until you get to Maine. Mm -hmm. You have to know, okay, this is how many steps I take to be able to reach a mile or 100 yards. This is um, the direction that I'm going in. And anybody that holds a compass knows that that compass can change as you take a few steps. That's why you need to kind of set in your future view, you need to find a point that says, okay, that is along my azimuth and I'm shooting with my compass mm. and I need to walk to that point. Otherwise, I might get off if I try to follow my compass directly the whole time without looking ahead. Mm -hmm. And so on dead reckoning, um, I can use that, but that is a very weak. And actually dead reckoning can get me sometimes within the general location, but not always exact. Okay. What gets me more exact is if I'm able to find at least one other reference point. So if I can see a, a, a dip in a mountain on my map, I can be like, okay, that is directly, I can shoot an azimuth, do a back azimuth and know oh, this is where I'm at with that one point. But the more points I have, mm -hmm, the more mm -hmm. accuracy I have. So if I can see a mountain peak to my left, if I can see a river bend in my front and then a saddle uh, to my right, now I have three reference points that all intersect at the same place. And the more reference points I have, the higher my accuracy. Okay. GPSs do the exact same thing. If you got one satellite feed onto your GPS, your accuracy is off. If you get more satellite feeds onto your GPS, you have a higher accuracy. Mm. And I think the same is with the Bible. Yeah. That yes, I have been focused, Matthew 24, 14, mm -hmm. the completion of the Great Commission. However, there are other signs around me that are there, whether I recognize them or not. Like mm -hmm. you said, I might not have the eyes to recognize them, but if I do, they just heighten the accuracy of my understanding mm -hmm. of when God says we're in this season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he put all of that in place for us. Um, we need that. And as you said, you know, different points of references, different landmarks, as it were. And uh, when we look at scripture, man, you know, some of the things that everybody, you hear everybody talk about, you know, and of course we look at that and we say, okay, that happened. Okay. Uh, May 14, 1948, Israel became a nation. Okay. That's in the word. That lets me know we're, we're on course for some things that are to happen. Okay. 
then another scripture says, and, and Israel shall blossom like a rose, you know. Okay. So the desert did. The desert did blossom. I said Israel. The desert did blossom like, like a rose. Mm, I mean, that's good. You know, so we look at these things. There, there are other things that happen. We look at it and we say, okay, yeah, we're on course. We know we are because the Lord spoke that. He said that, you know. One of the, this is why it's good to look at those different points of reference. When Jesus, when, uh, when um, Jesus was to be born, we had all of these, these prophetic uh, uh, utterances about his birth. Michael told us where he would be birth, birth, born. Okay, in Bethlehem. Interesting enough, watch this. That was just one of the things that yeah. referenced that. When when Herod inquired of the, the the child that was to be born, the king, he asked them, and they told him, Well, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. That was just one of the reference points. But it was a true reference point. You see. But not the only one. There were other other prophecies made. So we have to bring all of those things into perspective, you know, so it will uh, uh, tell us exactly where we are, the season that we're in, and not just get caught up on one. Yeah, no, I never, I never thought of it that way. That it, you're right. The prophecy about Jesus did not just come from one prophet. Exactly. We had Isaiah, mm-hmm. Ezekiel, mm-hmm. Micah. Uh, they all gave us information about the Messiah. Absolutely. And then when we learn about the life of Jesus, it wasn't just one reference point. Mm -hmm. It was Matthew, Mark, Luke, Mm -hmm. Peter, Mm -hmm. John. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we get several reference points Mm -hmm. to heighten the accuracy of our understanding and where we're at in reference to the rest of the world. Absolutely. So, yeah, that one of the things that um, I have kind of been dealing with for the last um, month and I, I want to bounce this off of you and kind of get um, sharpened, honed, chipped away at mm-hmm. uh, kind of and, and get your your feeling, your understanding, your correction even. Um, one of the things that I've never seen before, it's kind of been a big deal for me in the last month um, and I've been studying it, kind of taking it apart, haven't really found any messages on it. So there's been a lot of original discovery, um, not original in, in, as in I'm the first person to discover it. I don't believe that, but I haven't found materials, not saying those materials aren't out there. I just mm. haven't found them where um, reading through uh, John chapter one, verse one came alive to me in a completely different way in which I've never seen before okay. that in the beginning. Mm-hmm was the Word, and mm-hmm. the Word was with God, mm-hmm. and the Word was God. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen in any other religion in the world, where this idea of God being Logos, like not just having the the characteristic of Logos, but being Logos, which mm-hmm. is the Word. Uh, it's not just the Word, it's where we get the word, the base word for logic. Mm-hmm. It's also uh, the Greek expression that you would use for discussion, like you and I are doing now. Mm-hmm. And it, it it had occurred to me that this is this is interesting, because that means that there are pow- there's power in the Word of God. Okay. And when I look at the Word of God, I see, I've always seen, whenever anybody says the Word of God, maybe it's because of my culture, maybe it's because of the Bible, maybe it's, I don't know why, but mm-hmm. when I think of the Word of God, I think of the Bible, the book. Mm-hmm. But the book is finite. There's mm-hmm. a beginning, there's an end. There are authors. Jesus has no beginning, no end. There are no authors. Mm-hmm. Not saying that the Bible isn't the Word of God, but it is limited 
in the ability to tell me about all of the Word of God because there's not enough pages in the world <laughs> to do that. But when I see the creation at the very beginning, mm -hmm. it's spoken word. When I see God having power, it's this spoken word. Mm -hmm. In fact, Jesus never wrote anything. Mm -hmm. He never wrote a book. Uh, he never told his disciples, go out, print Torahs, and hand them out to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. um, instead, he wrote his story on the hearts of his disciples. Mm -hmm. And then they were told to go out and do the same. Mm -hmm. And the Bible tells us very clearly, how will people know unless they heard and how will they hear unless someone is sent to preach? This idea of preaching is this word taking on life and transforming lives. Mm -hmm. And so when I see that, now I have... A, a perspective that is, an, I would say, enlightened maybe a little bit, or maybe I might be chasing something because, you know, I'm just seeing it for the first time, but it excites me because <laughs> now I have noticed that in every country that I work in where the enemy takes over, the first thing they do, the enemy does using people, is shut down speech. It's the first thing. It's the first thing to go in every single place. And then I realized that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Mm -hmm. And that liberty means that I have the liberty to speak freely. And if I have the Word of God inside of me, it's power that comes out. Not my power, but the power within, with Christ, who is the Word that comes out. And I have been told in the Bible very clearly there are things I can't say. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I can't curse my mother and father. Mm -hmm. I can't curse the Lord. Mm -hmm. I can do it. I have the freedom to do it. I can choose to do that. Mm -hmm. I can choose to cuss my mo mo mother and father. I can choose to curse at God mm -hmm. or even teach against him or defile him with Correct. my words. Mm -hmm. I have that freedom. I don't have the freedom from the consequences. Mm -hmm. But God gave me an amazing amount of choice. Right. I may not own the soil that I build a house on. I may not own the clothes on my back. I may not even own the next breath coming out of my body. All of that I owe to God. Mm -hmm. He has given me. He sustains me. But my choices are mine and mine alone. They're yours. And that idea of God being the God of free speech, if you will, is something that has been hitting me over the head in the last month. Now, mm. I just wanted to throw that out there and ask, you know, what am I missing? What am I deceived by? What did I say wrong? Or what can you add to it? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a different, whole different perspective as far as, you know, God being the God of free speech, you know. But uh, in truth, um, the most powerful thing that God has given of a, to us is speech. Um, everything started with speech with a word uh in the beginning god created heaven and earth he spoke it yeah you know in 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 genesis 1 he said let there be he spoke it you know um think about it the only way that a person can enter into a relationship with god is he must speak it he must confess it's 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 a confession um um, we hear this used in, in many different ways, but the truth of it, let me just say the truth truth of it. In Proverbs, I believe, uh, 19, uh, it says that death and life is in the power of the tongue, your speech, the words that you release. Um, the words that we, we release, I mean, without question, we know they are powerful. They, they are powerful. 
Um, um, you can speak life or death. You tell somebody they're no good, they're worthless. You tell them that long enough, especially as a, a child, they tend to believe that because you have spoken that and they have received it and believed it. They have now acted upon it. Um, and uh, the devil wants to, as you were saying, to uh, uh, shut down our ability to speak. That's, that's... Uh, yeah, because I, I mean, when we see that yeah. Christ is sending out his disciples to preach this good news to all of the nations, the way that Satan stops that is stopping their speech and keeping them from preaching the word and and that freedom that gives life. Mm -hmm. And so this is this is a challenge. And the reason I say this is a challenge and something that I'm wrestling with, because I know that there is some speech that I would like to have stopped. You know, there are there are times in our church history where if you said certain things, you were excommunicated. You know, you're pushed out. You don't talk about certain things. But when I read the Bible, I see a God that was actually very open to allowing his people to speak freely. Not to say things they didn't believe, but to openly say what they did believe. Thomas was a doubter, but Christ uh, provided evidence for him, confronted it, and talked about it. My biggest, my biggest one is Job. Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Job mm -hmm. comes before God, and he has all kinds of problems with God, and he voices those opinions, those those ideas. You know, who can judge you? Nobody can judge you. You're mm -hmm. the big man. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, you, even if you treat me wrongly, you're still the one you know in charge. God just showing up, His presence, I think, made Job realize just how bad some of his you know thoughts were. But God says very openly, you know, where were you when I laid the foundations mm -hmm. of this earth? Where mm -hmm. were you when I told the seas? This is how far you go and no mm -hmm. further. Like Job was then exposed to, to God. But I, I like, and, and most people will tell you that that is in the Jewish culture as well. It, I, I'm good friends with a rabbi that says, you know, um, if you've got two Jews in a room, you've got four opinions. <laughs> and it, because they are a culture that debates. They are a culture that logically goes through, you know, the different ideas. That was one of the big things of the synagogue. In the synagogue, Jesus went into the synagogue and people were able to ask him questions and he shared with them and he used logic. He didn't just say things out of the air. He said, if you would have the faith of a mustard seed, if 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 you were going to be grafted in into the vine, like he's using images mm -hmm. to be able to teach us concepts mm -hmm. that we might not be able to grab these heavenly ideas like out of the out of the air and just understand them like that so jesus puts them in packages that is easy for us to visualize and understand mm -hmm. um and and does it in a way that makes sense to us logic mm -hmm. and uh and so in this way i'm kind of grappling with this idea because i've always seen god's word is being more restrictive there's a straight and narrow path you're on that straight and narrow path and i'm not saying that i'm changing for that i'm just saying that god has allowed us to have choice he's not a restrictive god he's actually a god of freedom who doesn't give us choice no. is satan satan doesn't give us choice mm -hmm. in satan we are born into slavery in christ we have freedom with satan we cannot speak freely with god we can 
And there are, there are so many places that I travel to today. You've been with me in some of those countries. Somalia. Try to speak your mind on Somalia freely. <laughs> Go out to the town square and see if you can last five minutes saying that, you know, Muhammad, stating the truth. Mm -hmm. Muhammad molested young girls, mm -hmm. took in slaves, mm -hmm. uh, killed innocent people mm -hmm. because of their beliefs and their religion, mm -hmm. and came to power by being a thug and uh, a robber. I, it, I, I would not have finished that sentence in a marketplace in, in Somalia. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to finish that sentence in Tehran. I wouldn't be able to finish that sentence in Pyongyang. Mm. I mean, not that exact sentence, but I'm, what I'm saying is that it, not only do they try to control your speech, but they try to control your thought through your speech. By controlling the things you can say or not say, they can identify what you think and don't think, or at least transform what you think mm. and don't think. Is that making sense at all? Am I just kind of shotgunning it? <laughs> And letting a bunch of ideas kind of go all over the place. But it's, but it's all good. It's all good because, um, you know, we get clarity when we can put things on the table and then we can streamline them. Yeah, clarity. Um, I, 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 just really quick, I also wanted to just share this really quick. Clarity also, I think, when I can share one of the problems with COVID-19 has been our isolation. And isolation from one another is how cults start. And cults start because you read the Bible in isolation, understanding things that aren't there, mm -hmm. not having the context. And I believe the body of Christ, me sitting down with you, brings about context. So I can have ideas that are pretty crazy, but sitting down with other believers, mm -hmm. individuals like you who've been rooted in the world, word to be like, Okay, I, I see where you're coming from, but this, <laughs> this is bad. Uh, and we, we, we're able to, uh, uh, as iron sharpens iron, I believe. Exactly. exactly. We can share with one another. And, and, and that is also why I think that uh, I wanted to share this, you know, while we're sitting down and talking together. Mm -hmm. Because, mm -hmm. um, uh, in, you know, we could do this online as well, but I don't think it's the same. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big difference. It is more person to person, but um, no, I don't. You know, I don't see anything wrong with where you're going with this. I mean, um, understanding and, and knowing that uh, that's one of the enemies. There's a scripture. Paul Paul says in Corinthians, he says, "If the gospel is hid, hid, it'll be hid to them that are lost." Mm. If you think about that, you know, then the question. You know, that begs to be asked is, well, how am I hiding it? There's only one way to hide it. You don't speak it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can live for Christ all you want, but if you don't tell people why or how you are living the life you're living, they'll never know. They'll just think you're another person out there with a different way of doing things. You see, so it's through the articulation of 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 uh, of our language of our words that people come to understand and know. So um, the speaking part, there is no there is no gospel if it's not spoken. Yeah, that I, that's the heart of the gospel. It, it it explains why Jesus didn't write any books. It explains why the disciples went out sharing in every direction that they went, mm -hmm. um, not necessarily carrying words with them, though they did send out letters to one another and, and communicate with one another. But that was that they did that with and oftentimes they did that with saying that I will see you soon. I'm coming to you. 
you know, to let them know, you know, as I write this letter, I'm going to explain some things, but I'll be with you soon mm-hmm. and fellowship mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. Um, we do communion today, as you know, in a very ceremonial way that, you know, we have a little juice and a little wafer, but it, for Christ, it was a meal yeah. and it was, it was, it was one that was intimate mm-hmm. with his disciples. Mm-hmm. He shared with them uh, on a regular basis, much of which, you know, we'll never know about, but it, what he did say transformed their heart, created them into the men that they were that wrote the letters that they did. And with the, with the last meal that he had, he follows that up with John chapter 17, which is probably one of the most powerful verses or chapters for mm-hmm. me, where Jesus prays before pers- before his crucifixion, but he prays for those that he was close with, mm-hmm. like these men that he built a relationship with, that he invested in their lives. Jesus, in my opinion, mm-hmm. could have come and been sacrificed, crucified in one day, got it over with, my sins would have been forgiven from the shedding of his blood. But he came to be an example and he lived to invest into the lives of others. And he did that by speaking life into their lives Mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. And then they replicated what he did Mm -hmm. by speaking life into others as they went. And that got them killed. (laughs) But... It changed the world. Yeah. And uh, and Jesus told them, as he has told us, you know, that that um, that we're going to have to lay down our life. We've been told that, you know, he that tries to save his life will lose it. He that is willing to lose his life will save it. And uh, people don't understand, you know, today, okay, my life may not be jeopardized physically, but but when I'm trying to talk to a crowd of people or or just two or three people, you know, at work about Jesus and and they revile me. You know, that's your uh, um, your death, if you will. And you got to be bold enough knowing that those two or three people you're talking to who who may maybe who may vehemently you know, object to everything you have to say and may attempt to make you feel as if you something wrong with you. But you've got to gather up the boldness and the fortitude to speak the truth to them mm. and let them know, you know, that's that's your death. You know, you've got to be willing to do that. You've got to be willing to lose your life. When people are going to say, oh, he's a nutcase or he's that, He's that holier than thou person, you know, or or he's that religious zealot, or he's just out of touch. You gotta be willing to go through that. That's how you lose your life. You know, my life is not my own. So I'm not worried about what people are gonna say or how they're gonna act or what they how they're gonna respond, but I'm gonna speak the truth to them. Mm-hmm. That is your moment of death. That's your crucifixion. You got to be willing to do it. Of course, you know, if we were living in, in countries and who knows, don't put it past us to get to that point here in this country with the way they're becoming so obstinate and so, you know, uh, violent toward uh, those of us that serve the Lord. But if you are in some of the 
countries where your life is in jeopardy. You know, that's their cross. And they still have to be willing to bear it. Mm. You know. Wow. We've been in some of those countries. Yeah. You know. Well, I want to thank you, Bishop, for joining us on this podcast. I think mm. this was a good time. I pray that uh, all of you that have downloaded this podcast, I pray that you enjoyed it as much as I did. Again, I'm Eugene Bach coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of the U.S. God bless you. Thank you.